0: We're back at the ranch.
1: Okay, I'm recording. The amount of shenanigans I have to go through with my husband before we press record, giving him a microphone. I You, mm, it's torture.
2: But I have headphones. No. <laughs> and coffee. And it's daytime.
1: It's daytime. I made him I'm gonna drive. I'm going to talk your ear off.
2: <laughs> Pro- probably not. Probably not. <laughs>
1: you know, of the two of us, Who's more likely to talk an ear off <laughs> between the two of us?
2: <laughs> you you could talk an ear off before breakfast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, that's not true. I don't love talking in the morning. You know that.
2: Uh, I just meant the time frame, <laughs> not the specific time of day. No, I like to
1: talk. I get warmed up to it. I need to be in my thoughts. I need to not be touched or talked to. I wonder if uh, that's where the girls get They are not morning pe- not morning people like no you so I'm working from home today Chad took the girls in because the roads are icy and so I'm getting ready for Elko and when I say getting ready I mean I have no idea how to pack this is this is this is a conundrum I actually just wrote the next column all about this this week's column is all about songwriting and creative process and why we do why I do what I do but part of the whole process of being a musician and a performer is the damn wardrobe. And I have one suitcase that I can bring because I'm flying, and Elko's tiny. I'm going to be getting on a, not tiny, it's just a small town. It's like, well, it might be bigger than Williston. I'm not really sure, but it's not like a big old city in the desert in Nevada. I have to pack seven days' worth of outfits and performances into one suitcase plus a guitar. I have two hats I want to wear, and I think I've narrowed it down to three pairs of boots. It's not gonna work.
2: Tell your dad to bring the U-Haul.
1: Well, he's driving with Mike, so I think I'm gonna separate some of my outfits. <laughs> Is that overkill? <laughs> and send him in the car with him. So you
2: need seven <laughs> pairs of socks, seven pairs of underwear. No, that's one not the pair rule. Of pants. Nope, two. One for nights and one for days. <clears throat> and seven blouses. <laughs> Blouse.
1: Two pairs of pants and seven blouses. Yep. Um, no. But do, you're going
2: to have to make a choice on the hat. One no, or the No, I'm other. bringing both of them. I know. It's you're going to bring everything. You're gonna, your dad's going to have to literally bring a trailer.
1: Anyway, so I've written new songs. I'm learning new songs. I have to do set lists. I'm going to be in the schools for the first three days, libraries, first two or three days, and then performances. None of this is making me stressed out. This is all going to be really fun. But how I'm going to pack and what I'm going to wear is stressing me out. I'm not even stressed about leaving you and the kids for seven days because you're fine. But how I'm going to get all the things I need to Elko on a plane,
2: freaking out. So after we're done. (laughs) I don't know why you freak out because literally your dad is driving a pickup.
1: I know he's driving a pickup but I'm gonna be there three days before him I'm leaving it on Sunday so you can pack for three days Sunday Monday Tuesday Wednesday they're not coming till Thursday so I have to pack a lot before they even get there and then I'm gonna drive home with them how are you feeling about being home with the kids alone for seven days and your mom's helping
2: I don't know. I got to call her. You have to call her.
1: I got to get a plan. We'll figure
2: it out. Yeah. I'm probably postponing my job. Oh, your next job? It's just too much. Like, I can't go work for two hours and then go pick up a kid. and. Well... I, w- I would unpack my tools, pack my tools, and leave, and that would be it.
1: Yeah, because it's out of town.
2: Yeah, so yeah. it's just probably... Well, and I don't want to tear apart their house and then mm-hmm. make it take longer, so
1: well then you can work on our house which is what you've been doing and it's going relatively well
2: we opened a wall
1: up there's sheet rock dust in places now oh, in the house stuff. it's everywhere, <laughs> it's
2: everywhere. <And laughs> it's, i try really hard there's no stopping it and oh. maybe if you plastic everything
1: how are you feeling about that project
2: gotta get something done <laughs>
1: I'm excited about it, but the more you do on that, the more you realize there is to do. Like, what am I saying? Sheetrock tape, but not texture. You're mudding now.
2: Yeah. That's a big step. It'll be ready to paint and like.
1: Anyway, that's all we've been doing. Last weekend, all, and last week, that's all Chad's been doing. (laughs) It's working on.
2: (laughs) The liberal use of the word we.
1: Well, I've been working, doing other things. I've been picking out some tiles, thinking about ideas, cooking you supper, going to... I sang in Madoc. Mm. <laughs> I don't know how to talk to you during the day, so this isn't like coming natural to me. <laughs> if we're not in the dungeon, the girls aren't here. I don't know. I'm distracted. Mm. But we haven't really talked all week just about what we're going to have for supper and what tiles and what what else i'm doing teal tiles that they're gonna be pretty
2: yeah it'll be nice i think that bathroom is gonna be really nice and then i'm very excited to have my own portion of a sink (laughs) you (laughs) i'm hoping for a drawer
1: you might get a drawer upstairs we only have one sink we're gonna be fancy and have two sinks so and i get a little vanity i can do my makeup Sitting down. You're gonna
2: have like uh, uh, thirteen feet of counter space.
1: Hmm, I can fill that up pretty <laughs> well.
2: I'm asking for <laughs> one foot of it.
1: So what we did in the addition is we have a we're doing our master bedroom down there right now. It's up in the loft. We have a huge bedroom and a small closet. We're going opposite because we can't fit everything. Speaking of clothes. My mom owns a clothing store, by the way. I don't know if anybody knows this. I have a whole lifelong situation. My mom is like a fashionista. She knows clothing. She loves clothing. She has a clothing store. And so every time I want to go visit her, well, in the store, then I buy something. <laughs> so we have a real, a real conundrum so of clothes that don't fit into the closet. You, my friend, have a boot problem, a hat problem, an old t-shirt
2: problem it all boils down to a throwing away things problem
1: well we you know you have that problem
2: <laughs> those t-shirts are from high school i
1: know well when we first moved into the little house when we first got married i have a distinct memory of trying to cram all of because that was a little house and that was a tiny closet and you had you were 25 and you had clothes from when you were 12 years old that you could still wear and
2: t-shirts from I was like, an early bloomer <laughs>
1: are still the same size as you were when you were 12. (laughs) I was a real big then. Not so big now. stunted out at 13. And so I needed more closet space and had you sit on the bed finally. And I just pulled shirts out and said, take it, leave it. Keep it, leave it. We need to do that again for both of us. So that's when we, when we moved down to that
0: new
2: space. That's the plan. That's the plan.
1: And you even told me I could get rid of some of your clothes and you wouldn't even look at them this time. So you're turning over a new leaf, a whole new yeah, leaf. Yeah, I
2: can't. I can't be involved in that process. It's too painful. If it fits, it's good, <laughs> and they all fit.
1: And that's the thing, and we both have a problem. I Now, and this is a ranching problem, I think, a ranching and farmer problem. The amount of hats, caps, caps in particular, that we have in our entryway
2: is harrowing. I'll throw them Hundreds. All away. I don't wear any of them.
1: But we get feed You get caps from everybody that you work with, and they're nice. You have logo caps from a f- seed store. You have logo caps from a feed store. You have a logo cap from a construction company. Like everywhere you go, you get a cap. A lot caps of oil and cups. Hats. Oil company caps. We have. But I can't throw those away. They're too nice. <laughs> but no one wears them. <laughs> and then you have a collection of boots in that entryway that rivals my collection of boots and then look at the girls
2: i have a coat situation
1: and a coat situation we need to go through the coats but i don't know this is just not nor is this normal or is this just a ranch thing where you have like 17 different carhartt coats and millions of caps and hats and millions of clubs i think
2: normally you don't have i mean most of my stuff is because when i was working for oil companies they would just give you new coats and you're going to throw away a brand new yeah. Carhartt jacket. That's right. And a Carhartt jacket lasts roughly forever. 60 to 70 years. I know. And, and you, you like only five want of them. and no
1: one wants to wear and break in a new Carhartt jacket. No, it's awful. It's like boots. You just want to wear the one that you wear. It's like a saddle. Like you got me a new saddle for my 30th birthday and I didn't like it cuz it was <laughs> too it broken. It's <laughs> <laughs> well, plus I'm always the last one. I'm Which behind. Because it's now
2: my saddle, and it's a really nice saddle.
1: <laughs> because to your point, I need to be talking, and I'm always behind everybody. When your saddle squeaks, you can't hear a damn thing that's going on. Hello, what? I can only hear squeaking of the saddle. I need one that's broken. I've in. never even noticed it. <laughs> <So you're just> <laughs> like, <laughs> well, it's probably broken by now. 39. Nine years of writing probably did it. I just couldn't do the task. I wasn't up for the task. I was I was missing so many things. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so <clears throat> we got that out of the way. This is where we're at. I wanted to fit in a quick podcast before I hit the road, and maybe I'll have a chance to do a little bit of updating when I'm in Elko. Um, but I've been thinking about music, I've been just in the middle, in the throes of writing songs and organizing new songs for a new album, and I'm going to be going to Nashville in April. Um, I just decided that uh, a couple weeks ago. And I've been thinking about why this is the thing that I do, and maybe where it stemmed from, which I know where it stemmed from, but why there are storytellers and what... What is basically, I think, where this came from is, what am I doing? <laughs> I'm still doing this. Like, am I really going to do this again? And should I be doing this again? And why do we just continue on the, the things that drive us? And even if they're insane. Like, this is going to be a fun project. This is part of my job. But it's not necessarily, I don't know. I don't know how to explain myself. Because every album I do, I say is going to be my last album. Just because it's like, okay, well, I did You're that. You're not
2: old enough for your last <laughs> You anything. don't think so? No. Okay,
1: here's where it goes back to. I know. When I was a kid in my teens writing music, I had people that I looked up to in the music industry. It was a different world, though. M- they weren't. Their lives weren't at our fingertips. Like, you had an artist that you liked. You maybe heard one song of theirs on the Top 40 radio. We had two radio stations, Country and rock and then whatever was on the am radio stations
2: talk i think you meant pop there has not been rock rock on the radio (laughs) for a long time
1: (laughs) classic rock Well, back in the olden days with
2: a lot of pop mixed in
1: but there were like you know okay trisha yearwood the judds reba mcintyre those types of country artists that you as female singers and then i when i was a teenager got more into like the folk Music that was being played, but never did you learn about the story of like who they were. You didn't know the story about if they were a mom, specifically, is where I'm going with this, or how old they were, or how long it took them to get to where they were. You just knew they were like, there was a little bit more status and obscurity in the veil of fame before you knew everyone's story online and things. And so, in my mind, I'm like, you have a window as a woman because I listen to old guy folk singers. But then I didn't really see older, older women performing in, I didn't, I felt like there was an expiration date for female musicians. And I especially felt like once you became a mom, you couldn't do that anymore. And it was like a real thing that I had in my head. And it was a little bit of a pushback too. when we were deciding to have a family. And of course, that all went to hell because it took us 10 years to even have the first kid. But like, can I be a mom? And can I be a wife well, and can I, I still do this <clears throat> so think, the fact that I'm 39 and doing another album is kind of like oh I didn't think I would still be doing this especially since I'm not like famous
2: right I, well I think at one, once upon a time that was um, that was the case yeah you know if you had wanted a family and you didn't want to live out of a van on the road and mm-hmm. you know because you couldn't just put your music out there unless you were right. on the road yeah. so you had to live that life and people you don't did have to do that as much or in the same way that you do you did well that's true so it was a thing it's no longer a thing
1: well and you can live in the middle of nowhere now and have a music career when i was growing up that wasn't even a concept the concept of putting your i remember once i wrote i wrote poetry it's just embarrassing to even remember and that's kind of what the column is about too because you knew me in high school i was writing poetry and i wasn't keeping it secret necessarily remember in our english class Our senior English class, we had to recite so many lines of poetry. Remember that? You guys just did Garth Brooks songs, (laughs) and I was like, finally, you did? Oh Lord, oh no, I don't remember. We
2: We don't cause trouble. We don't bother. Stop! I
1: hate this. It's making me uncomfortable. (laughs) I'm sure I watched you do that as in when you were 18, but like I blocked that out remember it I don't ever want to hear it again anyways I was like finally this assignment was like made for me because I loved poetry and music and that was my life you just
2: got up there and said words and you're like oh this is my poem.
1: (laughs) but I can't believe I did that why wouldn't you but I don't know because wasn't that nerdy like oh what kind of when I look back on it now as an adult I would never do that but here I am as an adult in the world sharing like every ever loving thought I'm currently doing
2: it right now at this exact moment you're doing that
1: okay let me let me try to explain that I look back on the fact that I sang my own song and read my own or recited my own poetry at as a senior in English class and I'm embarrassed for myself that's what I'm that's crazy that that's what
2: poetry is for if no one hears it sees it reads it. No, then that's what's true. The point? Then what's then there's the no point? point to it?
1: But at that time, yeah, I had I think I had probably record, yeah, I had recorded my first album because I was 16, 17, 16 when I did that, 17 when I graduated. But I don't know what gave me Okay, I don't know what gave me the balls or the strength or the courage to do that. Like I just did it.
2: You didn't overthink it.
1: Right. That's it. But why didn't I overthink it? Uh, <laughs> I you guess you were a
2: teenager. <laughs>
1: but that's the that's the risk I'm willing to take is to embarrass myself in front of all my peers but it wasn't
2: embarrassing everybody thought it was awesome did like, they like you were super cool because no. you did that not in spite of
1: I I'm not sure about that and I'm not sure everyone would agree with that but I'm glad I ha- I just did it because that is the thing about being creative a creative kid which I don't know if you can relate to
2: this <laughs> Oh, I wrote poetry. <laughs> Which
1: I was gonna mention. You wrote me poems I did when not you would read be in, in school. detention or <laughs> in school suspension. Poetry. <laughs> um, you wrote poems to me. They were good.
2: <laughs> it worked.
1: <laughs> you're like, hmm, poetry. She likes that. She read it in her own in class. I think I'll try a stab at it. You her. know,
2: when you're a teenager, you just try things, <laughs> see what
1: fits. <laughs> um. It
2: didn't fit so good
1: <laughs> well it was sweet it showed your vulnerable side which i think you know a guy like you a stoic guy like you that was attractive potentially
2: uh, mm-hmm. it wasn't all gooey no. garbage poetry no it, it was, was some quality work
1: <laughs> it rhymed i remember you also are really good at drawing you drew me pictures this was back in the day People, young people, which I don't think there are any that will listen to this.
2: <laughs> young is relative. Don't so listen to her.
1: Before texting, I wonder if kids write each other notes anymore.
2: Before text, this was before instant messenger.
1: I know, old days, olden days. So we had. I saved all your notes that you that you wrote.
2: Me. No, I, did. I saved yours.
1: You saved you mine.
2: Think that it's mine. I saved all. of I the saved
1: notes. yours too because no. I yes I have them. I have them You're in have a to box. Prove that. They're in a box because I remember when we broke up. I was so mad at you back in the olden days. <laughs> I never get mad at you now. <laughs> and I had. I believe
2: you told me yesterday <laughs> you were going to divorce me.
1: Oh, you know why? <laughs> you know I don't
2: why. remember why. Because. Oh yeah, I do.
1: <laughs> I don't even want to share it with people. He squeezed
2: my. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm gonna anyway.
1: <laughs> he squeezed my tummy jiggle.
2: It's because I found out that you like it. No,
1: I hate you. <laughs> uh, here's a hot tip for husbands out there. Never, ever squeeze a portion of your wife's body.
2: <laughs> that is not entirely true.
1: <clears throat> That's. I think it's all about consent. <laughs> I don't know how to phrase this, but you know what I mean. Not the tummy and not the back fat. Don't do that. Never squeeze parts that are not supposed to be
0: squeezed. Anyways. <laughs> Dear diary. <laughs> exactly. Okay.
1: I back
2: <laughs> So where were we before this epic plane crash?
1: <laughs> oh, I'm embarrassed for myself. Oh, you think bed. you <laughs> saved poetry. I saved your notes because I remember taking I was so mad at you. I had stuff on the wall, like you drew me a picture. There were some things on the wall, as teenagers have, and then some boxes of notes. And I wanted to burn them. I was so mad at you. I remember taking them off the wall, and I was going to rip them, but then I was like, in the back of my mind, I was like, well, I'm probably going to
0: get back together with them. I
1: was mad at you still. But I didn't want to be so dramatic to destroy the evidence. (laughs) So I put it all in a box and put it under my bed. So I still have it. Do you want me to find them and read some out loud? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we would write notes and fold them up. Anyway.
2: There's not a lot going on. You know, in school yeah. suspension is basically they put you in the closet. You know what you mean. Literally. <laughs> not a lot going I would on I wouldn't know because
1: I was a good kid. What was I thinking?
2: <laughs> Remember when I said you try things? <laughs> See what fits? I didn't like and it. And
1: <laughs> here we are. You didn't like school? had to try it a couple times. Oh, yeah. Well, and you were, yeah, you had some rough patches. <laughs> but you think that you're being so eloquent, right? And some of the documentation, and you look back on what you were as a kid, those are that's some of the only evidence that you have is like notes so that you wrote to each other. My cousin Seth has saved all the notes that I wrote to him because um, I wrote, he lived in Lemon down in South Dakota, and we were like really close. And we would write letters to each other back and forth and he saved all those and gave them to me my senior year of college and oh my god so so embarrassing and so funny and such a glimpse into just how innocent you were at that age like my biggest thing was my mom didn't understand me and my little sister was annoying and one time i sent him a tape that i dubbed off of my reba mcintyre tape a Vince Gill and Reba McIntyre song that I wanted him to learn, so I wrote out all the words so that next time we got together, we could sing a duet. <laughs> and I sent him the tape.
2: <laughs> and also the financial updates of your money yes. saving plan to go visit your other cousin uh, in Texas.
1: So we had to save our own money for a plane ticket. We were probably twelve, maybe younger. might have been younger. Um so we saved our own money up and every time I wrote him a letter I told him how much money I saved for our plane ticket and I think got we had to save like $300 to get to Texas and back. And we did and we my first plane ride was by myself not with an adult with Seth. And he had I had a Mickey Mouse wallet. <laughs> and that was when we had travelers checks. Oh my god. Anyway, then we went down to <laughs> Texas. Um But he saved all of those, and I'm so grateful for that because you don't really... There's just a glimpse into who you are as a kid, and that's my poetry, too. I had books and books of it. My dad gave me a book when I was, like, eight years old. He had just, like, found it in in his stuff he was cleaning out, and it was a page, a book with blank pages in it. And I was like, oh, the idea that I could fill this book of blank pages with things that I was thinking, like, just totally sparked something in
2: me did it take you 10 minutes or 15 minutes to fill it
1: (laughs) well I filled that book I don't know how long it took but it it just and then I just kept stacking piles upon piles of these and I used to have you know neat little books full of poetry and trying to really be concise and make it all look pretty and then it just went on to like scraps of paper and shoved everywhere and that's what I do now
2: and now (laughs) it looks like an explosion. A foreign language. It, I don't even know. It does. It's, it, yeah. it's uncomprehensible. It
1: is. You know what? It is. Because I bu- was, I've was. i pulled out some songs to to finish them. And there's one that I know I remember. I'm like, oh, this was like going somewhere good. I just need to like revisit it. I can't read one damn word of it. Yeah. So that's annoying.
2: And your, your handwriting isn't even that poor. Well, when you're in that creative in that space. Moment, probably yeah. curled up in the fetal position on the ground <laughs> with a nubby pencil or some fetal weird fetal position. I, don't well, know. I am you sit, hunchy. You sit in a weird position. It's not good.
1: And every time I really I only write music on the floor of my bedroom. And that's what's in the column. That's where I would write. I'd sit, I had pink carpet, I had a waterbed. Remember the waterbed. I think we've talked about that already. I miss my miss waterbed. waterbed. <laughs> we both had waterbeds. Everyone had a waterbed. I'd lean up against the waterbed writing poetry in my little book or or i was outside singing at the top of my lungs writing it it just has always come out of me i need to tell something i need to like see the thing and talk about the thing and poetry and music was just that connection that connecting point and then i learned to play guitar when i was like 12 or 13. really the only reason i wanted to learn to play guitar of course to perform but this the biggest reason was to write music i wanted to write music
2: which is funny because on stage, you're one of the best storytellers out there. In <laughs> Wait, real where life, is this going? <laughs> if you ever talk to Jessie in real life, she is the worst wow. storyteller.
1: Come on. It depends on what context. If I'm trying... <laughs> If it I'm just talking to with, you
2: um uh, there's a thing and I don't remember the thing <laughs> but there but it ends up like this and oh wait there was this other part Well if it's, it's a, a story about
1: something that happened to me I can get I'm good but if I have to recount something that I've learned or saw or was supposed to retain I'm terrible That's yeah I'm not good at it or tell, ask me to tell a joke I learned forget it I have no jokes yeah, I don't I remember don't. But no I do get a little Sidetracked in real, norm, like, conversation with my you gotta, family. You got to
2: tell the jokes to Edie because she remembers them and yeah. she will pound them into your head because you'll hear them 75 if she times. She gets a, a laugh, day. she will tell it a thousand times. Yeah, she's really both girls are them.
1: working on their comedic chops right now. Um, so anyway, I have this just going back to the songwriting thing, and I wonder, you know, Edie's seven. So I was about eight or nine when Dad gave me that book. She's been really interested. Well, she's writing
2: in hers. Yeah,
1: so that's where this a little bit of this column inspiration came from. Because I spent all last weekend and the weekend before kind of locked down on finishing up some songs and getting ready for this trip, and and because the girls are bigger now, I'm able to like sit down the way that I used to sit down and just lock myself in my room and just focus on something. I haven't been able to focus on writing a song for so long because of just motherhood and just that wasn't my priority. I'm just trying to get through it and get to the day-to-day tasks. And so they're down here, I'm recording upstairs, telling them to be quiet. I bust out my harmonica for a song to record to send on um, for a rough cut to the studio. The minute they heard that harmonica, they ran upstairs. The second, it was like, oh, something new is happening. I am not going to be left out of this process. Yep. So they found my harmonicas. And then Rosie wants to sing and do her own performance um, at my mom's open mic night at her coffee shop. That's her goal. But Rosie would like to play the guitar on her own and be her own pop star
2: situation. But do it properly.
1: She wants to do it properly, but she doesn't want to, like, learn. I'm like, listen, I think I've said this. It's taken me, I don't know, 38 years to be a mediocre guitar player. You're not going to learn it here when you're five. So I convinced her to let me play the guitar. And I think we talked about this last time. But she wanted, her and Edie were, were, writing songs then writing songs about being a cowgirl so we were writing them down and and edie will remember every song you have ever sang to her and that's how i was too to your point that you're saying she just remembers jokes if she hears a taylor swift song that has a million words we
2: got into taylor swift on the way to town today oh
1: yes we have to listen to taylor swift which her favorite she likes taylor swift because it's love song. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and there's kissing so and dancing good. in the rain Taylor Swift and her early stuff lots of dancing in the rain probably four songs they're dancing mm-hmm. in
2: the rain it's Edie, romantic it's like we have never done it <laughs> we've never done it if you've never if
1: you've it, never if done it if you have if you have never done it if you have
2: It's cold. (laughs) Yeah,
1: pretty much, in North Dakota. Um, Anyway, so she'll recount any song right back at you after the first time she's heard it. So I wonder if either one of them is going to really be interested in any of that. But they sure want to be around when I'm singing. And they sure want to be at the microphone. And so that's kind of interesting. But I was thinking about, I resurrected some songs. I'm sending this over. And that's kind of where my head's been, in that kind of like, did I think I would still be doing this because why do we create things back in you know when you're a kid and you're trying to figure out what you want to be when you grow up the music thing is always connected to the fame thing and we've talked about this before like did i think i would still be writing music and putting out albums and traveling you know all over i travel to some obscure places um and telling my story and singing songs that i wrote without The fame side of that, like, I didn't even know that could exist so much. And I didn't know it because you you didn't have access to it. I didn't have a club. I
2: remember you specifically saying, like, you did not want to be famous. Yeah. You just wanted to get your music out there and play and write. But you never, like, you don't want to be famous. But
1: did I know then, Is what and I contemplated this in the column, did I know then that people did what I do? Like dad used to play in clubs as a solo musician, which by the way, uh, he someone sent him a recording of him oh playing yeah. when he was 19 in this, he was a regular at this bar in Grand Forks or something. And so we got to, li- I listened to it last weekend, the 19 year old version of my dad singing some of the songs that he wrote and some songs that he still has on his repertoire and the difference in what his voice sounded like, was so i loved it it was so interesting someone captured that which it doesn't there's nothing like that that exists where we record everything we document everything now i
2: wonder how they did that because that would have been in like 75 76 yeah.
1: and it was the whole thing it's like an hour of music and him talking about his songs and some he wrote a song for his parents on their um 25th wedding anniversary that was on it the songs that he wrote that he forgot about were on that piece that's cool yeah it was really you told good. me you
2: were gonna let me listen to it but we I, haven't listened I haven't to it Heard yeah. anything about <laughs> <it>. <laughs>
1: well we haven't really seen each other we've been running around but the idea that at that time you didn't you only learned about the artists and magazines and things like that and the idea that i was landlocked in the middle of nowhere and i was a musician and maybe two of my friends also played guitar i wasn't in like a network of other people i wasn't starting a band I wasn't able to play at open mic nights there wasn't a whole scene for me what I did was with my dad because my dad was and his friends were some of the only other musicians I knew and then we went and played at fairs and festivals and there wasn't
2: a whole community there was also you grew up in the we grew up I guess Mm -hmm. in the dead space of live music it wasn't really right Oh, I mean, absolutely. There was a thing. There was definitely live music, but not really. But
1: in our community too, not like, like it is not. There really wasn't r- bands playing. Even in when Dad grew up, he was playing in a band since he was a teenager. Bands weren't. But they th-
2: had live bands at like proms and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we didn't. We didn't have a any. DJ it was all era. DJ stuff. And then it
1: turned into like the digital music age when I was touring colleges and coffee shops. In college, everyone was plugged into an i into it. Device that was like their headphones on because that was kind of new a new thing so I would be in a in a lunchroom or a coffee shop or whatever on campus and some of the crowd would have their (laughs) headphones in because that was like what we were doing and we were discovering a lot more music that way because you had so much more access for much less money too with LimeWire and whatever we were using to illegally download music at that time So now we have so much access and so much access to story. But I did feel, and I say this in the column, a little bit like a fish out of water, like a weird kid that I was so into these, like I listened to Fleetwood Mac and Joni Mitchell and all of these like 70 inspired. I listened to music that people weren't listening to too. And I was inspired by some of the old, old stuff that no one cared about and some really obscure stuff as well. And I didn't really feel like I had people like my age around me that really like, into that. So there wasn't a lot of. I not
2: think much has changed
1: around here. <laughs> you what? don't
2: listen to mainstream no stuff so much like
1: no. But to I don't know I don't know how I'm I'm not
2: describing this. No, I I get what you're saying, when I, I'm just like I I'm wasn't relating, the kid. Do like, you think that you're like you have a vision of yourself like as this nerdy kid that was not who you are like you still think you're a nerd well but you're not like
1: (laughs) I'm not I am who I am I'm just all out there that's the point of it and sometimes when I can't sleep at night that's what I'm thinking about am I too out there am I putting all of this out there so much that people like I don't know you're sometimes the vulnerability of the natural my natural state is vulnerability right sometimes (laughs) it catches you and makes you think you're doing it all wrong Oh, sure. You I know, mean. but I can't not do it. I've been doing it forever. And so that's like looking back on it now. Oh, sure. I'm going to put out like a book and I'm going to write every week about my life and I'm going to do another album when I'm 39 years old.
2: Well, if, if you don't, then you're going to have to find a new job. <laughs> <laughs> that's true I mean you get to 39 and you kind of are on that's the who I path. am <laughs> like I mean you can change it's just not as easy as when you're 29 or but 25. I still the
1: point is I still want to do it and I told my friend who was kind of helping me navigate that career path like I don't think I'll do another album why would I I'm older and like I don't know what I have to say there and here I am doing the exact thing that I said I'm not gonna do and I th- I wonder I just trying to think what propels that And it is, they're just stories. They're just stories that I want out there, and it's fun for me. It's fun. The writing process has always been the best part.
2: Well, if you didn't put it out there, you wouldn't stop doing it. You just wouldn't put it out there. Yeah, maybe. It's just a part of you. Like, you would Mm -hmm. do it whether anyone heard it or not.
1: You know, I wonder if I would. Because back when you start writing, when I started, I didn't, I wrote with no intention of anyone ever reading it, the music especially. It was like you're practicing, you're so uninhibited as an artist at that point because you're honing your skills. It's like you're you get to choose when to open that vault, whether or not you ever do. So, you write so uninhibited, you write like no, like honest and real and totally not trying to prove anything. After you, re- after you release your first album or you release your first content, then you're writing changes or the mentality changes a little bit like oh people are actually gonna maybe want to listen to this and so now I'm writing with at least a little bit in mind what your audience is gonna think and it never goes back to that raw mentality that you had when you were a kid just writing to write or just singing at the top of your lungs to sing like Rosie and Edie do now just unabashedly singing at the top of their lungs so confidently so not thinking sure i mean
2: it makes sense conceptually but i have no idea what you're talking about like (laughs) none of this resonates with me i mean i just haven't like i think that's what i what i'm trying to say is you either are that kind of person or you're not that kind of person. by resonating i mean like i don't i haven't had those feelings i haven't had that thought i hadn't i didn't experience that so i know what you're saying and i get it and it makes sense but that's not an experience i've lived
1: well anyway someone had asked me they wanted me to talk about on the podcast um the creative writing process and how you come up with the the song and that kind of triggered and i the column idea too to kind of talk about the genesis of the reason i like to write music which i talked about with dad in anyway, i've always been fascinated with story songs and folk music but the process of the songwriting is not cut and dry for any songwriter that I know. It's not like you sit down and, and maybe the professional ones that do it in Nashville and are writing for more songwriting companies do it a little bit differently. But for me, it just starts with an idea or a line or a lick. and Or maybe it just starts with chord progression. Before, when I was starting to write music, it was just a poem. It always started first as a poem, but it's evolved into writing the music and the lyrics at the same time and for example I just wrote a song two weekends ago that I wasn't intending on writing I went upstairs to write a more upbeat song <laughs> and I wrote though probably one of the a song that I'm the most proud of ever and I can't wait to share it with you all but it was one line I saw from the archives of a song I had been working on a completely different concept and it was trying to capture kind of the essence of the story of people living, coming to North Dakota to live and being surprised by it or um, devastated by it or whatever. And it turned into a whole story from start to finish of my grandpa, Eddie, my great grandpa, Eddie, and what his role was in building his family on this place. Definite quintessential folk song where it's all about the progression of a story and a life in it from start to finish. And I could not write that. Once I got upstairs, I was on a roll and I worked on that song until it was done because I needed it. It was in me. I didn't even know it was in me. And then sometimes it's like, I have an idea. I have one line. This is going to be a good lick. And it lives in you till the end of time because it never becomes a song. It just never gets out. So there's so many so many ways to write. And then I've become more... As because I practice writing every week, able to take a concept and turn it into a song more than I used to when I was learning to write. I just kind of free wrote and the song became a thing and it was more about phrasing and feeling. And now I can say, I want to write a song. Like, for example, I wrote a song called If You Were a Cowboy and that I had a whole idea of what theme that song was going to be and I could create little lyrics that rhymed, and I wanted to be kind of tongue-in-cheek and sort of an anthem to men who have their shit together. And I, it kind of was a struggle. It took me a couple of days, but I got there. So I can kind of see it from start to finish more than I could see it when I was starting to write music. Anyway, it's a fun process for me, and I could see myself doing it You know, more full-time or more professionally if I went a different way in life where you would go into these writing rooms and write with other people and mostly even like if I write if I have a song that someone would want to sing that would be ideal and then they could go on the road with it (laughs) you know but I'm not writing pop songs I'm writing songs that are really connected to me and my story and that's what I do then I go out and talk about you know our story and sometimes resonates with other people so that's what we've been deep into so I had you know a little flashback of me writing songs on the pink carpet of my room and then and then going upstairs and writing songs with Edie and Rosie and they're so totally vulnerable and totally just out there by the time we were done they were arguing over you know stealing lyrics (laughs) so um we'll see if that if that how that progresses in their life but they're sure interested in it anyway and I always have been and I guess I'm gonna keep doing it so anyway that's what's been going on and it will be fun I have for um Elko I have three three songs for sure that are new that we'll be working on for the album that I'll be singing there and so that's making me a little nervous because anytime you play a new song out it needs to be played out in the world for a while before you should go in the studio anyway, because you kind of hone how it goes and how it flows and sure if you can get it.
2: But but your your dad and Mike have not heard <laughs> any of these, have they?
1: I sent them recordings. That's why. So they kind of on. know. Yeah. And then Dad and I worked on some last weekend. One of them, he wrote the lyrics. So he wrote a song called "Get Back to Town." Dad did, and at the height of the oil boom when he was dealing, he was economic development director. So it's a kind of a funny song that if you were in that position, because he wears so many hats, of developing a community and the whole world is coming in and in, in, into your home. He wrote a anti, an anti, um, what's the word, anthem for that. <laughs> and yeah, I finished it. Kind of, it's
2: kind of, but like I said, it's kind of tongue-in-cheek. Right. It's kind of, uh, I don't know, it's funny. So I finished That's that good. up for
1: him. Um, And... That's going to be on the album. We'll play it. So it was funny to like sing him his song back because he is like, ah, oh, so he used to write, I don't know, whatever. I'd have another song on my um, college album that he wrote called Sundown, and he wrote the lyrics to that. And I had been, yeah, I was in college and I had been home for, we were working cows or calves or so, branding, I think. And then I had to go back to Grand Forks from the ranch, and I was just lonesome and I didn't want to leave, and he sent me the lyrics of that song. And I went home, got back to Grand Forks, which is like a five-and-a-half-hour drive, sat on my bed and r- finished his Sundown song and then played it for him over the phone because that's before everyone was recording everything right on their phone. And so that one I've recorded. I might re-record that el- that on this new album just to have it redone. But
2: What would you do, like different?
1: I don't know. I would just have... Um, Nash- build, the Nashville producer reproduce it just to have it on current mm. albums that I'm selling. Cause It's really good. Yeah, it's a good one. But this album is pretty themed around stories of agriculture and stories of family in um, generational farming, ranching families. There's a lot of story songs on this. Um, so it's going to be different, and I'm excited about it. And when I get into the mode, then that's all I want to work on. So I'm trying to like... Yeah, focus on the other things I need to do. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So that's what this week's column is about. And I might go dig out some of those poems you read me wrote me and read them. Say <laughs> <on>.
0: Good
2: luck.
1: <laughs> Roses are red, violets are blue. I am bored. And are that you? is not <laughs> the actual word. <laughs> Well, I had in my memory once that you drew me a big picture of what our house was going to be like and our but then gave it to me. I did. You did?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I drew you a picture. I found that one. And then we, I remember once, now this is really cheesy, but when we were dating, we sat down together or we were just, whatever, I was writing and we were, we had my notebook stuff out, my writing stuff. And we wrote a story about what our lives were going to be like together and i wonder where that is i think i have that in the boxes and it basically was this was like we're gonna have land and horses and whatever whatever and then we drew a picture to go along with it do you remember that
2: no i have i was just i have no memory whatsoever <laughs> of that happening. you suck today <laughs> well, i mean you're, you're digging back into the archive i can't remember what we had for supper uh, last night no. We.
1: Well, you know what we had for supper we had i literally can't remember okay. oh spaghetti we had spaghetti with a spaghetti sauce that i made this summer and i i'm so sad cuz i do not like my spaghetti sauce it does not taste good it wasn't what i wanted mm,
2: i liked it you it was a little runny but well it was
1: only that's r- r- fine it wasn't runny it was only runny cuz i put fresh canned tomatoes in there to try to like make the flavor better i just bleh. now mm, you spend i spent all that time ha- I canning i ate
2: 5 pounds of it <laughs> you didn't eat 5 pounds
1: But now I have a pressure canner because I ruined a whole bunch of tomatoes canning them last summer and that was a big bummer. So one day I'm going to get, next year I'm going to pressure can.
2: Yeah. If I recall that day properly though, we were running and gunning. And you're just trying to get the things of course. done before they could. So well, we had like so many we tomatoes. Didn't put a lot of no, I guess not stuff into but it. Yeah, but yeah, they
1: wound up like fermenting and like almost exploding before I had to open them all up and like dump them I in.
2: Think the, that's how you make bummer. wine. They're like <laughs> tomato wine,
1: or also how you get botulism, <laughs> or something. I didn't, I didn't taste them. <laughs> no, they were like, oh my god, they're gonna explode in the pantry. And We had so many of them. All these har- this hard work. <laughs> i'm not not quite there in the homemaker skills by the time i'm a grandma maybe i'll be like the grandma that cans and bakes and you already
2: do does, does things not so much baking but
1: i was like oh grandma knows how to do all this stuff what's gonna take me till i'm a grandma to figure it out
2: i think it takes everybody till they're a grandma <laughs> maybe <laughs> you just don't know it because they're just your grandma that's <laughs> true <laughs>
1: You weren't with your grandma during the times when she almost gave everyone botulism. Yeah, no,
2: but I'm sure it happened. <laughs> okay. Well,
1: okay. Is there anything you else? I talked this whole time. You told me I can't relate. <laughs> this is our relationship. You know what's different though is I
2: used to. That's not exactly what I <laughs> said.
1: <laughs> um, never ever play my songs for anybody else before. I played him on stage, or I, I would play them for my dad, and that's like it. Yeah, I used to got hold them so close because they were so personal, or it was like so new. I would have died before I would have sang you a song that I wrote before I sang it to anybody else. But now yes. you get to be my audience, especially on this album. Still not
2: allowed to comment, but <laughs> I am allowed to listen. Now.
1: You can comment only if you tell me the that thing it's that good. You have <laughs>
2: Not even that it's good, because I've never said it's not good, which is no, no commenting. Do you?
1: <laughs> no, that's not true, because and I that, but do. But I
2: have to comment because if I don't comment enough, this then is that's all- a comment in its own. <laughs> so it's a very, very difficult line that I walk. Nobody understands. Well, my life. <laughs>
1: <laughs> do they need to? Really, no, it's all no. about me. <laughs> I'm good with that. (laughs) No, you gave me, that's not true, all of that. I mean, most of that's true. But I have an example of this last song that I wrote about Grandpa Eddie. I was going to go in a different direction where, one way or the other, where it was going to be a story of a bunch of different people's experiences then tied together by the chorus. Or I asked you, would you rather, should I try one person's story in a song from start to finish? What do you think? And you said one. One. Which I I like a one Well, and I've never done that. Like Boomtown is a song that captures different people's realities in each verse. One area, not one one theme, different people's stories, which I think is less intimidating because you can just capture the essence of someone in five or six lines and then move on and move on. That's less intimidating than in this real character telling his story, through you know, three or four minutes, was a big challenge, and it was was um I yeah proud of it. So
2: yeah, he was such a dynamic person, though that yeah he's a like, story. It's like it is, is several it real? people's yeah. lives, but all condensed into one.
1: And I've always thought,
2: and it's really he did it. Like yeah, that's really his life.
1: I always thought Grandpa Eddie's story would be a good novel, and that's something. Type of writing that I like. Oh, wouldn't it be? I've always wanted to write a book like that. But the but being a songwriter and poet and a columnist, everything's short form writing. Nothing that I've written has gone beyond. Besides, in college, maybe six pages. You know, to to sit down and write someone's story or write a novel and dream up characters and hundreds of pages is like I can't even imagine that.
2: I've I've always wanted to write a novel. When you was, have? This is a thing that you don't know about me. Oh, no. <laughs> really? You're writing in your bedroom. I forgot about this. I wrote books. You did? Yep. I, I'm i sure they're gone. I hope they're gone. <laughs> but I, well, yeah, I would write books. You would? Like 10 pages long or Hunting whatever. books? But, Cowboy uh, books? Mountain man. Mostly. Mountain man. <laughs> usually, a, usually a kid and a dog. And then some, something. But I've always wanted to, but then I read so many great books, right? I'm like, uh, there's no point in even trying. Like, I can't do, th- I can't come up with these characters and this depth of story and the imagination that people have. I know. And, like, I mean, fan fiction, I guess I could do, but it's not good fan fiction. <laughs> well, and but that's it's the, the thing, thing I've always kind of like, I still am kind of interested in doing. I think it would be a fun thing to do, but so dauntingly difficult.
1: Well, you just hit on something I think that I was trying to convey up front here is if you're starting to compare the work that you're doing with what other people are doing, then I will never ever write again. Because there are so many stories, so many talented musicians, so many talented storytellers. You just get on TikTok for five minutes and the amount of musicianship on that platform is out of this world. I should throw in the guitar right now if I'm comparing myself to everyone else. Yeah.
2: Well, you talk about the world platform. Yeah. I do the same thing with woodwork and carpentry. I've always thought I was a pretty fair hand up. sure that. and then you see what people are doing on like instagram yeah. and stuff and you're like never mind i should just sell all of my tools I like i shouldn't even be in this world with these people and
1: i think what a gift for me as a person a kid who is learning to write to not have that or to learning to write music like you had people that you listen to in music music whatever whatever and people you aspired to but not have in your face every day day to day the your inadequacies,
2: well, yeah, like, to
1: some extent, it makes you reach for that, but it can also make it make you give up. It,
2: yeah, I don't know. It is it. It's both of those things. I think it's mm-hmm. inspiring and it's intimidating. You know, like yeah. you see, especially like Instagram, something that you're just scrolling through and you see, oh, you like this thing. Well, we're going to show you the best people in right. the world at this thing. Yeah or like oh you want to get in a little bit of shape well here let me show <laughs> you the most beautiful people on planet earth that are I was like, sculpted I, by like why gods. would
1: i ever do pilates again because i'm never going to look like that person right it has to be so personal to you and then you also have to remind yourself like no one has your style no one has your story to tell everyone is different you're not you need to aspire to be the best that you can be not the best
2: of everyone yeah. I or guess. i look at it like i'm here they're not here so you're here get what you get <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> this is the per- <laughs> oh, that was weird.
1: um yeah I'm here you get this this is what you're paying for yeah that's so true but grandpa Eddie's story we'll have to talk about another time but he was a young kid who who helped his family homestead and his dad was almost blind and he came over here when he was like a young young man like a teenager and he um, wound up oh go ahead
2: well I'm just trying to time frame it that would have been like Early well, 1900? before the homestead,
1: so that he homesteaded the Vita Ranch nineteen fourteen or fifteen after the war. Yeah, so it'd have been the early nineteen hundreds, before that, when he came with his family. So he was here before.
2: Like when they actually came, or did they come? immediately homestead or yeah to, i'm not sure but had, you had to like prove up land mm-hmm. and do, there's a bunch of stuff so it, it spans over here years until it's actually homesteaded on this day or whatever. right
1: but his homestead was it the homestead we're on right now is grandpa eddie's own he homesteaded with his parents
2: yeah and then he helped his brother
1: and he helped his brother so he was a kid like 12 13 homesteading with his parents so they all i don't know if they came over together what the story was prior to that but he his dad was wasn't fully capable there were some ailing elements to his he was was almost blind he had something yeah so he the his brother and him um for what i know did that homestead and then he came over to this place and this was his own with his brother over the hill and that always fascinated me that he had so much of life you know in him and just a startup attitude and someone that just got in and and did it and then wound up keeping this place during the dirty 30s after the war in the 20s and the 30s and it was rough out here and he was known to be a really neighborly man and one that's kind of like my dad where he could get people to come together when they're fighting or he just took care of his neighbors and so but he lost his wife when she was 36 so he raised his family his and grandpa pete was the youngest he was young when his mom died and raised his young family like alone the rest of his life and um and grandpa pete and his brother lorraine stayed on this place and so that's that would be dad's um dad anyway so kind of going through capturing the essence of that man and that song is what I was trying to do and take him through the story. So yeah, that's what we're working on. one day maybe I'll talk with Dad more about that because he is he's quite the character. And you don't not you a day goes by out on the place, not a day goes by where you don't think about who came before and I talk a lot about this in my shows and in my music and much of this album is about that. How we got here, what what kind of suffering happened oh, for sure. out here before it, we got these modern conveniences?
2: Absolutely every day, like looking what's coming up next week, it's gonna be forty to sixty below windshield. Yeah.
1: And they lived through it.
2: And it's not gonna be fun, but it's but fine, we have, but yeah,
1: we've talked about that before. Like, like we I'm have not all the modern conveni- horse-drawn
2: <laughs> wagon, you know, like oh,
1: they lived through it. That you even lived through it is a feat in itself. But to raise generation upon generation that wants to stay well, here and
2: prosper through it, you mm-hmm. you couldn't just live; you had to prosper. Right. There's lots of stories of lots of places out here that lived, right? But they didn't prosper. Didn't, see and they it didn't through. You know, yeah, yeah. It, it, was, it was not impossible because people did it, but it was impossible circumstances situations like it was Mm -hmm. something that would have been I don't think modern people can even comprehend the level of dedication and work and fortitude that those people had no
1: no and sometimes well it's just very humbling out here to be reminded of that like, okay, I'll quit my bitching about taking the girls 30 miles to town and the snow and fog because I can get there and with my heated seats and heated steering wheel, and, you know, they can have a Pop-Tart and watch a movie on the way. Like, that's insane. What am I complaining about when <laughs> you really put it in perspective? Of course, our modern world comes with complete other issues too, but... Yeah, it's different. Yeah, but it's, it's just totally different.
2: That level of struggle is And how
1: much has changed in different. a short amount of time is incredible out here. Even since we moved to the ranch... 10 12 years ago we didn't have like very good internet and water we didn't have we didn't have rural water we didn't have internet was sketchy well like, we
2: were here when internet got here well bot ba- got to our place i guess mm-hmm. it was sort of yeah this high it, speed
1: internet wasn't really a thing and that was only like 12 years ago so you all are watching netflix for the first time in your lives and we couldn't watch it till like five years that, later that was
2: only like five years ago
1: yeah and you just think it's such a pri- it's a privilege it's not a right to have all of that
2: you know you talk to the internet provider and they're like well what kind of package would you like i'm like one you, that works have you heard of netflix <laughs> i've heard of it too but i've never actually used yeah, it
1: sorry. i, used I to, would like
2: to be able to use it i
1: used to sit up on the hill i can't remember if i did a hot spot or what i did but do my blog so that i could get photos uploaded and things i think i used my hotspot um because i couldn't get it working at house yeah. <laughs> so anyway. All right. Well, we got work to do. I wanted to do this before I left. If you need me, I'll be packing. Thank you for taking a little minute to let me rant and ramble at you.
2: <laughs> Are you sure you don't want to keep talking? Because as soon as we're done. <laughs> you
1: have to go sheetrock. I rock. have
2: to go sheetrock.
1: Yeah, it's time. I love you. Can't wait till that's done.
2: <laughs> Good thing about that is eventually it does get done. It does. And then when it's done, it's like a room. When you're done with that part, yeah. then it goes from being like construction mode to like, oh, this is actually a room. Yeah.
1: Well, and I yeah,
2: like that. we got to start picking out trim and
1: yeah, that's exciting. You're at an exciting part of the home construction.
2: Dad came down and we got everything is all wired. Yeah. Lights, Lights all work. and heat and plugins work. It's a big old it's heated project. That was a big step.
1: You're basically building like a little house connected to this house. It's it's serious business. Lots. Yeah. Complicated. So good job. Love you. Love you too. Okay. Bye. Love you. Bye.
2: Bye. Love you. Bye.
1: When I was a young teenager, like 13 or 14, every spare minute I had at home was spent trying to teach myself to play guitar on the pink carpet of my room. Leaned up against the frame of my waterbed. Hey, it was the 90s. I pressed stop and play and stop and play on my CD player, trying to figure out the chords to Fleetwood Mac's Landslide or Joni Mitchell's Both Sides Now. I found these songs in my parents' album collections and there was something about them that spoke to me more than anything I was hearing on the two FM radio stations that came in on the ranch. Maybe it was the fact that the first songs I've ever heard were coming from my dad playing and singing around the house. I knew the lyrics to Emmylou Harris and John Prine songs before I even heard their original versions. And when I began to discover my own musical tastes, when I could buy my own albums and play them on repeat, I was surprised to find there was something lonesome about it. Because I couldn't imagine a world beyond my nook of rural America where real people like this existed, playing guitars and coffee shops and clubs and forming and breaking up bands and writing and recording music. Somehow it made me feel even more isolated, more landlocked, more obscure in my community and so very far away from a world where people create music for a living. I suppose I felt that my only access to it was to learn to play it myself and to attempt to write my own. I was only 14 or 15 when I wrote some of the music for my first album. I released it my senior year of high school. If I knew then what I know now, I wonder, would I have put myself out there that way? That's the thing about adolescence. The naivete keeps you brave. I'm thinking about this today because for the past month or so, I've been knee deep in working on music for another album. There was a time I would have told the 39 year old version of me that I'm too old for this now, that to be creative, to have something to say, you must be relevant. And 39 didn't seem so relevant to me when I was in my early 20s, driving up and down the middle of the country, trying to write songs about places and things I knew nothing about. There was also a time when I thought that in order to be successful, you had to remove yourself from all the familiar things and build yourself back up again somewhere more important. Go to Nashville. Go to California. Go to New York City. Then you'll be something. Then you'll have something worth saying. I grew out of that phase somewhere between South Dakota and Oklahoma in my Chevy Lumina with a caved-in trunk I couldn't open because of a fender bender I still hadn't dealt with. The man I loved and the place I loved was hundreds of miles away. I'd just cracked the front of my tooth off on a granola bar and I was supposed to be playing in a Nebraska college town in two hours. Was it this I loved or was there something else to it? Last weekend, I spent countless hours on the carpet of my grown-up room, working and reworking songs that could only be written by the woman I am now, hollering down to my daughters to shush for a minute and play walkie-talkie in the basement, please. I pulled out my harmonicas, and immediately I saw two sets of bare feet under my bedroom door. Soon my daughters were playing harmonica too, dancing, singing, and requesting assistance, writing their own songs. I couldn't help but think about the smoky smell of my dad's guitar case in the 1980s shag carpet and me sitting cross-legged on the floor, listening. And then another thing hit me. This is how it can start, yes, but this also can just be how it is. There doesn't have to be more to any of it except that it brings you some sort of peace or some sort of release or some sort of joy. If my daughters ask, that's what I'll tell them. Not everything we do with passion has to come to a famous star-studded glamorous end. Sometimes the best part is in the learning, or the listening, or the creating, or the dancing along. As it turns out, the teenage version of me was right. To write it continues to set me free. And so that's what I'm doing here, leaned up against my bed frame on the carpet in my room.
0: and eighty acres A couple horses and two hands Grind the gears and swing the hammer Turn a boy into a man His daddy was near blind then His brother just thirteen His mama swept the floors Though dirt like that just don't come clean Only North Dakota would make promises like this with you, all your hope, you'll see what she can do with it. He built corrals and fences, the family's homestead up in time. Rolled the river in the big draws with the cowboys for a dime. But there's something about the work here made him want some of his own. Signed papers on tar paper shacks and called the land his home. Only North Dakota wouldn't make promises like this. Bring with you all your hope here, you see what she can do with it. Only North Dakota, where the ground turns white to green. The rain, the snow, the storms that blow in like you've never seen. Right there we could have left it, it's a dream sprouting from the ground. But if man can make a fortress, only man can knock it down. When the war was over, he found himself a bride. and the roses in the garden and their children were her bride. Lost money on the cattle and he lost some on the grains. Lost her when she went to sleep and did not wake. Only North Dakota would make promises like this. Bring with you all your hope here, see what she can do with it. Only North Dakota, where the ground turns white to green. The rain, the snow, the storms that blow in like you've never seen. And a man cannot give up here, he didn't have the mind. Biscuits in the morning taught all the babes to ride. When the neighbors fell on hard times, he gave a hand and bought them out.
2: And watered yellow roses
0: in the heat of summer drought. Another generation breathing life into this land We fix fences, count our pennies and to the memories we clean Down in the barnyard, yellow roses bloom here every spring Only North Dakota would make promises like this Bring with you all your hope, here see what she
1: Thank you for listening to this week's Stories from the Ranch. If you want more content, you can follow me on Instagram at Jesse Veter or Facebook at Veter Ranch. If you want more information about my music, you want to download it or hear more, you can find that at jessievetermusic.com or anywhere where you listen to music. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.